0: Hey everybody, thank you for taking time to listen to this message. I pray that it's a blessing to you. And I want to remind you today, no matter what's going on in your life or around the world, the Lord Jesus loves you. God has got everything under control. And cheer up, friend. Jesus is soon coming. May the Lord Jesus bless you and keep you. God bless you. Thank you, Bibles, if you will, please turn to the book of Romans, chapter number nine. The book of Romans, chapter number nine. We finished last week at looking at the security that is in the believer in Romans chapter number eight, and um, so we come to chapter number nine, beginning in chapter number nine, and then. Chapter number 10 and chapter 11 uh, are chapters that um, deal a lot with the nation of Israel. And there have been some that in um, that have said of these three chapters that they are obsolete for of us in this day. But I would like to remind us, though this does deal a lot with the nation of Israel, I would like to remind us as we deal with these chapters what uh, what the Spirit of God uh, dealt with Paul and said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. I heard a, a man say one time as he uh, was uh, teaching in a class, he made the statement, he said, um, everything in the Bible may not written, may not have been written to me but everything in the Bible was written for me, and so these verses that uh, these chapters may not specifically be wrote to us, but we can rest assured that it is written for us. And before we get into get into this, I, I want us to think of um, the Apostle Paul, man, probably um, the greatest missionary outside the Lord Jesus Christ, and. Uh, as you as you study the Word of God and look at look at the Word of God and think about the Apostle Paul, uh, all of us would have to agree this morning that that it seems like if there pro- if there was a super Christian, it would probably have been the Apostle Paul. And I, and as you study the Word of God and as you look at the Apostle Paul's life, uh, have you ever just wondered what kept the Apostle Paul going? I mean in second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse number twenty three down through verse number twenty seven, this is some things that the apostle Paul writes. He says they are ministers of Christ, I speak as a fool, I'm more in labors more abundant, and stripes above measure, and prisons more frequent and deaths oft. And then he begins to write of things that he has endured. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and day I have been in the deep, and the journeyings often in perils of water, and perils of robbers, and perils by my own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, and weariness and painfulness and watchings often, and hunger and thirst, and fastings often. In cold and nakedness. As you read those things that Paul has listed. That he, is, uh, he went through. Not because he was in sin. Or not even because he was, against, he was going against the Lord. But it was because he was in the will of God. That he was going through all these things. And as I, as I read that. and As I look at the Apostle Paul. I, sometimes I can't help but wonder. Man what, what drove the Apostle Paul what made him endure all the things that he endured we we could ask a question like this what is his what was his motivation i heard a story i heard a story this week of a of a man he was hiking in the woods and as he was hiking in the woods he uh, began to he saw a, a bear that was beginning to um, come in behind him and I, I don't know if you've ever been been um, somewhere at nighttime but um, have you ever noticed that something always gets behind you at in the dark, and no matter how fast you walk uh, that thing speeds up that much faster and um, so as he 's walking in the woods, he notices that bear is beginning to um come on his trail and he begins to run and the bear begins to run and and um he he begins to think how you know how am I going to escape uh, um this bear getting me and so he is up oh, up above uh, Ahead of him on the trail, he sees a low-lying limb and he says, if I can just make it to that limb, I can jump and I'll be able to be able to climb, grab that limb and climb up that tree and escape uh, this bear tearing me apart. And so the closer he gets to that limb, he realizes that that limb was not as low as he thought it was. And as he's running, he's looking at that limb, he said, there's no way that I can make even a professional basketball player couldn't jump and reach that limb, but he knows that his certain doom is going to be eaten, be eaten by that bear if he don't at least try. So he he jumps and he misses the limb, but he caught it on his way back down. <laughs> That's motivation. As we think about motivation, what 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 caused Paul to do this? He for, for the last eight chapters, Paul has been sharing the gospel message. For the last eight chapters, he has uh, been showing truths of the, word of the salvation that is found in Christ. And, and so, in chapter 9, we see the heart of Paul. And this is, I believe, the testament of what kept Paul motivated. In chapter number 9, verse number 1, the Bible says, I say in truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing, witness in, bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises. Whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for being a good God, and a loving Savior to us Lord, I pray that you would help us to rightly divide the word of truth this morning and do a work in our hearts. And we'll be careful to give you the honor and give you the glory. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we read these verses, I just want to specifically deal with verse number 1 down through verse number 3. But I want you to notice the concern that Paul had. And number 1, we see it is a conscious concern that Paul had in verse number 1. He he makes this statement there again for eight, eight uh, chapters. He has been, been pinning down divine truths to those that, that believe. And, and though however wonderful they are for us that, that believe, they are also very devastating to those who do not believe. And, and as we think about what he says, even in verse, verse number two down through verse number three... He, he's showing us that his, his heart is that for lost people, those who do not know Christ as their Savior. And I, I want to say, ask ourselves this question this morning, is do we have a burden? Do we, do we have a, a real burden for those uh, that are lost, those that don't know Christ? And, and all of us here this morning that know Christ would say, yes, we do we would all if if we were to be put on the spot every one of us would respond with the answer yes absolutely i i have a desire to see folks saved i don't want anybody to die and go to hell we would we would say something in that form and in that fashion but the but the real question is is not what we necessarily would say with our mouth or with our lips but when we answered that question, if we said yes to that question, what would our conscience say? See, a lot of times we say, we say one thing, but our conscience says another thing. This morning, all of us would respond with, yes, I have a burden for lost people. But would our conscience say that's a lie? Or would it say that's a truth? And so what Paul, is, what Paul is saying here is when he makes this statement, he says, I say the truth in Christ. And he makes this statement, he says, I lie not. Notice this, my conscience also bearing witness, bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So in verse number one, we see that Paul, he brings three witnesses to what he's going to say. The first witness that he calls, uh, calls is himself. He says, I, "I lie not." Now that could be refuted. Anybody that hears what Paul is about to say next could say, "Yeah, Paul, you're saying you're not lying, but but how do we really know that you're not lying?" You know, I, I, have you you remember as you, when you were a kid, or or even when you was raising your kids, and and you ask your kids a question, and they'll say they'll say no, but uh, you know that they're lying. Something about, something about uh, intuition. Um, um, KK all the time, she'll ask the kids, did you do something? And they'll say no. And she'll say, I know you're lying to me. And it won't be just a second to, before the truth comes out. And uh, so, so there's something uh, we, could, we could say about Paul when he says this. Uh, that how do we know you're really telling the truth? So then, he brings two two other witnesses to this conversation. He not only has the witness of himself, but then he brings in the witness of Christ. He makes this statement. He says, "I say the truth in Christ." So, not only is he is Paul vouching for himself, but now he is bringing Christ in the picture and saying, "If you don't believe me, just know this: that I am saying the truth in Christ. Christ knows what I am saying is true." Then he does not only leave it at that, but then he brings in the witness of the Spirit of God. He says, my conscience bears uh, bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So he has three witnesses that he brings himself, Christ, and the Spirit of God. Now, we know that no matter how spiritual a person can be, men can lie. But there's one thing that is forever settled today, and that is that Christ cannot lie. And the Spirit of God cannot lie. So he brings in two people. Two witnesses to what he's about to say. And says these two can testify to what I'm about to say. And they do not lie. And so what Paul. What he's about to say for, uh, for the human mind. Is, is, is uh, unbelievable. As some would even say it's highly Exaggerated. And so this is why Paul brings these two witnesses that, that cannot lie, they cannot mis, mis, uh, misrepresent the truth, uh, uh, to prove his point about, his, about what he's about to say. So he says that he says, first of all, this conscious concern that he has. Not only is it a conscious concern, but he also says in verse number two that it's a continual concern. Notice the phrases that he uses. He says that "I have great heaviness now that great heaviness we know would be pain and grief and mourning and then he says that of continual sorrow intense pain and and anguish anguish and torment it's uh, uh, this heaviness and sorrow is a continual thing it's a, an an unceasing thing for the apostle paul and and so he he tells us that this this great heaviness this continual sorrow is in my heart to and what is it? And it's this. Uh, verse number 3, he explains what it is. For I could wish se- wish that myself were accursed uh, from Christ uh, for my brethren. And we see there again, it is a conscience concern. It is a continual concern. I, I want us to ask, and I, I know I've-, I've said this uh, several times uh, in the short time that we- I've been here but I want us to really think this morning, when's the last time that you and I was broken hearted over somebody who don't know Christ? I mean, isn't it amazing that we can, we can watch television and, and we can be so moved by a scene in a movie that we, it will bring tears to our eyes. But yet, when's the last time tears come to our eyes for people who don't know Christ? Isn't it amazing that we can watch our favorite movie and, and we could we could whatever it is this morning and and it, it can move us to tears or or you can hear a song that moves you and that it moves you to tears. But yet it seems as if we're so we're so moved by everything else other than people that don't know Christ. We're moved politically, we're moved socially, we're moved musically, we're moved uh, 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 by Hollywood. We're moved by all these things, but yet the one thing we, we stand unmoved at is that people are going to die and spend an eternity in hell. And so this is what Paul is saying, this continual sorrow is this, that that there's people, there's his, his brethren, his... The same, uh, when he talks about his brethren, his kinsmen, he's talking about Jews that, that do not know Christ. We find that in the scripture that some of the greatest men in the word of God was men that, had, that at times uh, they were so moved uh, uh, with emotion about people that do not know Christ. It, mo- it moved them to tears. We find this in the life of Jesus. We find it in the life of Paul. We find it in the life of Jeremiah. And I want you to hear what the psalmist David says in Psalms 126 verse number 6. He pens this, he that goeth forth in weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And never forget I heard an older preacher make the statement one time, the reason there's so little reaping in our day is because there's so little weeping. What's all old saying? Nobody cares to know how much you know until they know how much you care. And yet a lot of times we're telling people about how much we know about the gospel of Christ. But yet we show so little concern about the gospel of Christ. We tell people that we want them to, to be saved. We want them to come to church, we want them to be involved, we want them uh, 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 to be a part of us, uh, but yet we say one thing, but our emotions say another thing and so the reality of it is this morning is we see that this that Paul has not only this conscience concern but he has this in his uh, continual concern. we see also in the end that Paul had the same heart as Jeremiah. Listen to what Jeremiah says, uh, says in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse number 1. He says this, Oh, that my head were waters, and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I may weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Listen to the heart of Jesus as He is uh, standing on the mountain overlooking Jerusalem in Matthew 23, verse number 37. And He says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou that killest the prophets, thou that stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chicks under her wings, and you would not. There again, we are so moved by everything other than people that don't know Christ. This morning, oh, to God that we would pray that God would break our hearts once again for people who don't know Christ. We find Paul had this conscious concern. He had a continual concern, but we also see Paul, it was a costly concern for Paul. Verse number three, there again notice he says this, for I could wish, Now notice that Paul makes this and uses the word wish. Because he knows that there's no way that he could ever go to being accursed again. He knows that there's no way that he could trade his salvation for another. He knows that what he is saying is impossible. But nevertheless, that's what his heart is what Paul is saying in verse number three is just simply this that he was willing for whatever and for whenever just to see those who don't know, know Christ to come to Christ. Several years ago, I pastored a lady, a well, very precious lady, and she had four children, and all the four children knew that. Grown up in church and been, been saved and serving the Lord. And her husband was not, had never really been involved in church, never had much to do with church. And, and I remember one day we were sitting around talking and, and she made the statement. She said, I, I have prayed that if whatever God has to do to get my husband's attention... If it's me, I'm willing to do it. And it was not long after that that she got the dreaded news that she had cancer. And I, I, I never will forget the the doctors told her she only had a certain amount of months to live, and God spared her for. Almost two years, and man, she was faithful to church every, uh, to the up to the very end. And she always had it. Always would say when you'd talk to her, she'd always say, "I don't know who this is for, but I know it's for somebody." And she'd always say, "Preacher, if somebody will come to know Christ," she said, "It's worth everything I'm going through." But yet so many times, so many of us, we, when we think about people coming to know Christ, we, we, we say we want people to come to know Christ, but we don't want it to cost us anything, do we? It's awful quiet this morning, isn't it? We, we say, I want my children to be saved, I want my family to be saved, but I don't want it to cost me anything. Can can we really say we want something if we're not willing to pay for for it? Can we really say that we we want this if we're not willing to pay what it cost? You say, well, you know, Jesus paid it all. He sure did. But it may take us going through things. To get people's attention. It may be. It may take God. Touching your health. Or touching my health. To help people realize. That we're not promised tomorrow. It may be me. Or it may be you. That has to suffer loss. For somebody else to realize. That you're just, they're just one heartbeat away. From eternity. But yet when it comes down. When it comes to us. Having chances or having to pay. For somebody to come to know Christ. We really don't want to pay that duty. I can remember when God settled it in my heart. To, for us to come here. And I. Me never having moved away from home. And always being right there. And everything I've ever known is right there. And, and um, I, I, can, I can remember um, telling KK one day. I said I cannot imagine what it feels like for a missionary to not just move five hours away. But move move a day's journey away. From their family. I mean not just move 500 miles. But move on the opposite end of the world. From everything they've ever known. And the only reason they do it. Is because. They have a burden. For somebody over there. I can't imagine that. Now I I know I have known missionaries, brother Kemp, that that they don't look at it as a sacrifice, but to me that's a sacrifice. And can I can can if we was to have a missionary that come come in come here and say, listen, I've got a burden for people in Africa. I, I want to see people in Africa say, but I'm not going to go to Africa. I've got a burden for them. I'm raising money for it, but I'm not going to go. We'd say that's foolish, wouldn't we? We'd say you don't really have a burden. Because if you really had a burden, you'd go to Africa. But is that not the way most of us live our Christian life? We say we have a burden to see people saved. But we're not willing to walk across the street and tell them about Jesus. We say we have a burden for lost people, but we won't give a gospel tract in fear of rejection. We say, I want to see people saved. I don't want to see people die and go to hell. But I don't want to be the one that has to go tell them about Jesus. Well, if if you're not going to be the one to tell them about Jesus, pray tell me who will tell them about Jesus. This concern is costly. And reality of it is, is to reach people, there's a cost involved. Now, I know that there's people that have the mindset, and this is the mindset that I have heard people down through the years. Well, they know where the church is. It's been here all these years. If they want to come to church, come to church. But I promise you, if you have that mindset in a few years, you won't have a church. It was, never, it was never God's intention for the lost people to come to the church. It's always been God's, God's intention for the saved people to leave the church to go get the lost people and get them saved and bring them into the church. Right. Yep. Right. But yet we have this mindset that we that it's it's their job to come to us, but reality it's our job to go to them. And so this concern is very costly. One man wrote the statement. He said evangelism has little, little effect. The evangelist has no love for the people. And there again I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to stir our minds this morning. And try to for us to really, really examine us. And, just, and try to really see do we have a concern. The concern that we say we do. I'm glad that we're, that we're a part of a mission-minded church. But listen, if all our missions is in foreign countries, we have failed the Great Commission at all costs. If, if we only send missionaries in, uh, across the country and across the world, that is only part of what God has said to do. And listen, to fail in one part is to fail in it all. So this costly concern. I I, I just just thinking just my mind come to my mind uh, last Sunday night. You know I, I don't know how you feel about it. It's really uh, you know what, whatever you know I've heard both sides of the argument, but I, I, all the people that come through here Sunday night and people say, well look at they, they ain't here Sunday they ain't here Sunday morning so. To, to what avail was it? I'll tell you what to what avail it was. They may not be here Sunday morning. They may not be here this morning, but you bet your bottom dollar they know where Faith Baptist Church is now. Yeah. And I say that is worth it. Yeah. Was it hard work? Absolutely. Was it inconvenient? Absolutely. But if we're going to reach Shelbyville, it's going to cost us something. Listen, if you're going to reach your family, it's going to cost you something. It's going to be uncomfortable. The hardest people to win is people in your family. It's uncomfortable. But if you won't win them, who will? If you won't weep over them, I guarantee you nobody else will. So it's left to us. How do we get this type of heart that Paul had in Romans chapter number one? uh, Romans chapter number nine. How, How do we get this heart that Jeremiah had in Jeremiah chapter number nine? and Even the heart that Jesus had in Matthew 23. I think the more that you and I dig into the word of God. And the more that we surrender to the will of God. We'll become become to love more as he loves. Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher from yesteryears. In a sermon, he said these words. He said, if sinners be damned. At least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish. Let them perish with their arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned and unprayed for. What a statement. Songler Musicians Come. This concern that Paul had was a concern that his conscience bore witness to. It was a continual concern. Was it wasn't something that he could just flipped the switch on and off. But it was something that was there Every day in his life. It was also a costly concern. But it didn't matter what it cost him. Because he knew that if a person died in their sin, it would cost them a whole lot more than it cost him. This morning, I, I want us to really consider <laughs> our concern for those who don't know Christ. and maybe this morning that we need to find us a place to pray and ask God to relight the burden for people who don't know Christ. There again, everybody in this building this morning, if I was to ask you, do you believe Jesus could return at any moment? Most of uh, all of us would say, I believe he could come before I get home this evening. But if we really believe that. would we put feet to our actions? Our feet to our belief? There again, most of us, all of us, if I was to ask, do you, do you have a burden to see people saved? All of us would say yes. But what would our conscience say? If, if our conscience was to fact check us, what would it say? Now, I, I don't know what at what point in time a child goes from that point of innocence to that point of when they're accountable for their sins. I, I, I don't. We use the phrase age of accountability. I don't know. There's, there's no set age for that. But can you imagine standing by the casket of your child and having to look into that casket and know? you didn't do everything you could to win them to Christ. I, I, I just don't know if I could go on if that was my child. you realize that every person you come in contact with is somebody's child somebody loves them and more importantly God loves them and because your heavenly father loves them we should love them as our own flesh and blood because the same God that created he, them Created you Created me This morning Boy What a What an opportunity we have before us As Jesus made the statement in the gospels The fields are wide to harvest but all are the laborers few so this morning I want to ask you would you dear friend the most important question that you can answer today is this do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior I hope that the answer to that is yes But if you don't know, would you reach out to me? I would love to talk with you and pray with you and show you in the scripture how you can know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. My email is preachercharliemc at yahoo.com. Please reach out to me if there's any way that I can help you. Remember, Jesus loves you.